Hey guys, it's Shreyak. Just hopping on here to quickly mention, um, as I was editing this episode, I noticed that uh, at, in some places the audio was kind of dropping or making weird noises. And then I realized it was probably because as we were recording the episode, we were having some internet connection issues. So I figured I'd rather cut those weird audio sounds out rather than um, have it mess up the quality anymore. That being said, would definitely encourage you to listen. He definitely dropped a lot of serious gold and knowledge and truth bombs about sales engineering. So definitely give the episode a listen. Okay, bye. The following podcast contains amazing life advice, positive reinforcement, and good vibes. Masks are optional but not required, and social distancing of at least six feet from your device is recommended for best audio quality. Hey guys, welcome back to Through the Lens. My name's Shreyak, and I like chatting with interesting people doing interesting things. And my guest today is one of my extremely talented friends and colleagues, Yi. Welcome to the podcast. Hey Shreyak, this is so, so exciting. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, of course. Well, Yi, before we before I, I start grilling you on um, all about sales engineering, Yi, when I when I when I asked Yi to be on the podcast, she was she was super excited, and so was I because a lot of people have, including myself, a lot of misconceptions about what sales engineering actually is. So, Yi's here to set the record straight. But Yi, before you do that, um, tell us how how's it been? How has lockdown life been? What have you been up to? How has the the past year been for you lockdown has been interesting as i expect that it's been interesting for everyone but for me i've been trying to survive by working in my garden i've discovered i really love vegetable gardening so uh, that's my pandemic hobby and how i like to get out of the house nice 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 well i mean i i, I did i did i ask you this before i feel like you should do a, a passion projects on that for, for people who don't know at our, our workplace um, so they'll they'll periodically have different employees present on their passions outside of work. So I was I was saying you should do do one for 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 gardening. Yeah, maybe in the summertime when the gardens and full yes. swing and there's actually stuff that I can show. I think that would be a good good time to do it. Um, haven't done it in the winter because there's not much interesting going on. Yeah, but in the summertime, I'll have to think about that. Yeah, hundred um, percent. All right. Well, Yi, start maybe start by by telling you know folks who don't know a little bit about what you do. Yeah. So right now I work as a sales engineer. Um, I work with Shreyak at Think Research. Uh, we're a health tech company, and I work kind of at the intersection of sales and product. Um, first, for me, sales engineering is about being able to touch multiple points of the company. So you're not just in one team, you work with multiple teams. Okay. And, and how does the sales part uh, fit into that? Yeah. So I guess the funny thing about sales engineering is that, uh, so it's not just sales engineering, but it's also called solutions engineering, solutions consulting, pre-sales engineering, a um, whole lot of names, but mm-hmm. really it comes down to working in pre-sales, which is the aspect of sales that happened before the contract is signed. You maybe walk us through what what actually goes into pre-sales. So what, what happens before um, uh, a contract actually gets signed? Yeah, so maybe I'll give you an example. So Shreyak, you're a product, product designer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let, let's say you're looking for a software to help you create wireframes, low fidelity mockups of like something you're designing. 
And let's say I, I work for a company called Acme and we make software that helps create wireframes. Uh, so first you might talk to a salesperson from Acme. Uh, you might tell them that you need workflows and what's wrong with your current way of um, making those wireframes. And that salesperson might determine that, hey, Acme can do some of it, but let's say you wanted some other fancy features as well. Like maybe you want some collaboration, you wanna be able to talk about a wireframe that you just made with one of your colleagues. And maybe you wanna export the wireframes to another program to do further design on it. Uh, the salesperson might not know whether the existing solution can do some of these custom capabilities. So they might go back to their company and with, in a company without solutions engineering, for example, they might talk to the product manager, implementation, operations, engineering, and try to figure out if they can do all these things. Um, but the problem is that kind of approach is a little bit fragmented. You don't know exactly who to go to. You might talk to five different people to get your answers of how we can increase collaboration in your wireframing software. Um, so it's kind of difficult to get the solution in a timely manner for you, Shreyak, as a customer. So at that point, maybe you've already moved on to talk to uh, another competitor. And another thing is it's not a focus of these teams to do that pre-sale support. Um, and the salesperson might get frustrated and wanting to make the sale. They may say, yes, we have all the collaboration capabilities that you want, Shreyak. And we can export the wireframe to any other software you want. doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want with it. Uh, the problem with that is that if you, Shreyak, you think, oh, that's awesome, I'll buy it. Um, after you buy it, it might not turn out to be quite the way that you expect it. So that's kind of the problem if you don't have an FC. What happens if you do have a sales engineer is that the sales director can work directly with that SE. They can, uh, we can have a meeting with you, Shreyak, and go through some discovery and find out exactly what you want with the collaboration. Maybe you, all you wanted was uh, some emojis. Oh, that's easy to do. We can definitely do that. And we can work on those solutions together and make that proposal to you in a way that makes sense to both you and us. Got it, got it. So would you... So what, what I'm taking away from that is that the sales engineer or kind of pre-sales go-to person is, is, is almost scoping out what actually is and isn't possible based on what the prospect is, is looking for. Exactly. And it's mm -hmm. all about kind of talking to the prospect and getting an idea of what their pain points are, figuring out their existing workflow, what they're missing, and have, using the technology that you currently have to help solve those problems. I'm, I'm interested to, to, to get your perspective view on how you balance that that kind of realistic scoping versus you know i mean with with any organization wanting to 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 make that sale especially when the the, the stakes are higher yeah exactly it, there's always going to be features that the client wants that you don't have and you have to be able to talk through those sometimes it's those features maybe you don't have it but there's a reason why you don't and the client may not have a propel, um, a compelling reason as to why they actually want it. And if you dig a little bit deeper, it might actually be another reason that you can address um, through your existing solution. 
so it's really you have to talk to the client a lot and be able to kind of understand how they feel and um, their existing workflows. Um, and yes, you will have times when they will ask for things that you don't want, but that's also a learning experience for the company as well. So if a lot of people are asking for collaboration capabilities in my wireframe software, then we can definitely go back to our product team internally and say, hey, we're seeing this a lot. This is something that we see in the market. And it's definitely something that uh, a lot of people want. It would make us um, help us make that sale if we have that feature. And that would really that feedback helps improve our products in the long run. So, so all, you know, all of these, all of this, this thought and intent that goes into to that solutioning aspect of it or scoping aspect of it. I'm curious see from, from your experience. And I mean, you, for folks that don't know, you has years and years and years of experience with, with this, maybe, maybe talk about what from, from sort of a client, I guess, size perspective or strategic importance perspective, when is, or isn't a sales engineer involved? Generally, what happens is the account executive or sales executive, they have the initial meetings with the project spec. Um, so they go out and find the potential customers and they do a little bit of an initial qualification of that client. Um, that might involve trying to figure out their pain points a little bit on a more high level. And then if they discover things that require certain customization, then that's when they bring in the solutions engineer. So it really depends on the company that you're working with. Um, some companies might bring in the solutions engineer a little bit earlier. Some might have the account executive even do a lot of the initial demos and initial um, discovery. And then when it gets a little bit more in depth, that's when the solution engineer gets brought on. That makes a lot more sense. So, I mean, we clearly we're, what we're unpacking is that there there's a lot more that goes into sales engineering or, or I, I like that you defined it as, as pre-sales that kind of for, for me at least it puts it it puts it as its own step before the sale actually happens and kind of puts it into perspective of where it fits in um but you maybe now tell us a little bit about what are some of the and i, I know this is going to be your favorite question top two or three uh misconceptions that you hear about your the the type of work that you do and um whether you're talking to someone else in your professional network or your, your friends or family? What are some of those misconceptions? Usually when I tell people that I'm a sales engineer, the number one question is, you just do demos, right? You do, you do demos all day. Um, so some people think solutions engineering is purely demo focused. And it's not just that. You're not a demo monkey who's going in and demoing your platform and solution over and over again in the same way. And the reason why it's not like that and it shouldn't be like that is because you need to kind of come up with those specific things and pinpoint those aspects of the customer's pain points and bring those into the demos. There's no, you can't really do canned demos all day, every day. There's a lot of aspects that go around it. So that's one misconception. Um, another one that I hear kind of often is uh, along the lines of, don't you have to be super technical? Don't you need to know exactly how to code everything? And the answer to that is, no, no, you don't. Um, are there sales engineers that know how to do that? Yes, the, yes, there are very, very technical sales engineers that come from that coding background. 
but most people aren't. Some people, I know some people that come from accounting or they were teachers or they were in some kind of professional training type of role. Um, you can come from all different types of backgrounds and still be a successful sales engineer. And because really a lot of the skills involved are not necessarily the super technical skills, you're, you still need a lot of soft skills around that as well. Yeah. So it's, it sounds like more than anything, being a, being a subject matter expert to a certain extent is, is what'll, what'll help, help you in, in that yeah, type you, of role. Exactly. You need to know the product well, and whether that product is very technical, uh, then you need to be maybe a little bit more technical. But some products, you just need to know how to configure it right. And that might be enough. And that might be enough depth for you in the technology to be dangerous in the sales cycle. Got it, got it. And I mean, that's a perfect segue into maybe now tell us about what do you see, especially with all the experience that you have, are some of the top, both soft skills and hard skills that one would need to be successful in, in this type of a role? As with a lot of different jobs, there are a wide variety of skills that help you become successful. But I think for pre-sales and SE, you definitely need those customer skills um, because you need to be able to relate to the customer and listen to the customer and to understand what they want. And of course, I guess that goes without saying that means you need to be a little bit more personable. You need to be uh, able to make eye contact and be trustworthy. So when it comes to sales, a lot of times is trust that is the part that is the most important. You're essentially the trusted advisor for the customer. And if they trust in you, they trust in the company, they trust in the solution, then that way they're more comfortable making the sales um, or making the, the buy to commit to your software. So you definitely need to be uh comfortable with the client because you're in a lot of meetings with the customer. And not only are you working with the customer a lot, you need to be able to work well with others because SC is kind of like an intersection of many parts of the organization. You need to work with the sales rep, the technical team, uh, potentially marketing, implementation. All these teams are your source of knowledge. Like, Honestly, I cannot do my job without all the vast number of people behind me. Like part of my job is basically just to know who to go to to find the right answer sometimes. Because uh, there's, a, again, you don't need to be super technical, uh, but you just need to know where to go find the right answers. So to be a, the team player definitely helps you with that. So that's, I think those are the most important soft skills, customer skills and working well with others. Uh, in terms of hard skills, I think what helps me get through or be good at my job is being solutions oriented. Um, there's no specific technical skill that you need for the every sales engineering job, but you really need to know the ins and outs of your product and how you can solve your customers' problems. That might require some creativity, but let's say you're a company that sells fancy fridges to offices. <laughs> okay, and it's a fridge that orders the right amount of milk, juice, and beer whenever it runs out. Love that combination. Um, <laughs> yes. Don't mix them. Just make sure you 
have them at separate them, uh, meals. Um, and you need to understand how this bridge works. You need to understand its limitations. Maybe it only works with specific brands of milk, juice, and beer. So you need to know these things. <laughs> and when once you're talking to your customer, you need to keep these in mind and find their specific problems with the current fridge. Maybe the current fridge doesn't even track anything. Those boring old fridges, they can't even do these kind of smart things. Uh, maybe they don't even have a fridge. And you also need to understand the the customization capabilities of your fridge. So what if the customer wants to track pop? Can you track pop? Um, and you need to be able to explain this fancy fridge to the people who are buying it. Make them excited. Let's say um, because it's doing all this tracking, there no way will there be a way to uh, have low amount of milk, beer, and juice in the boat. Nobody will be ever disappointed on the Friday afternoon. Um, again, this is just a whole bunch of things that you need to be aware of for that specific for your specific product. And with that knowledge, you're able to help the customer find the right product for them and help them maybe even set up a trial so they can try the new fridge and they'll be happy with it. Nice, nice, nice. Um, all right. Well, you, why don't we take a step back now? We, we dove, dove deep into what sales engineering is all about and what you need to succeed. Let's take a step back and tell us about what got you interested in sales engineering. And, and on top of that, how the you know academic or career path that you followed got you to, to where you are now. Well, uh, I did my university undergrad in engineering. It was quite technical because it was engineering uh, and not so much business I found, uh, but I basically discovered that I really like to solve problems and come up with solutions using technology. And basically my undergrad taught me how to use a holistic approach to solve problems. So not only are you taking a look of, at things from, let's say, the technology, but you're also look, thinking about the social impact, the environmental impact, um, a lot of things that come along with a broad solution. So I wanted to be able to use technology to help solve different types of solutions. Um, and I basically wanted to find something that was both tech, somehow, I guess I was lucky, I happened across a sales engineering job. And at the time, I was like, what is sales engineering? Just like <laughs> a lot of people have asked me. Like we're doing now. <laughs> I didn't know much about what it was. As I recommend to anybody who isn't sure what kind of job to get into, I did my research uh, into what the job was like before taking the role. And now it's like so much easier to find all that information. Back then, I. It was just kind of like a gut feeling I had too, uh, that it sounded perfect for what I wanted at that time. And so I took the job and so far it's been great. Um, I guess since that, that was kind of like my academic journey, but since I first, since I first became a sales engineer, I've kind of moved on from my first job to others because uh, I was finding that I wanted to gain other experiences in other industries, so I moved to other jobs. And then eventually I found that I really wanted to have my solutions have a personal impact on other people. And I'm sure you relate to this, Shreyak, that's why we're in health. Yep. Um, we want to be able to help others and 
because our solutions could mean someone can be healthy or someone can be not so healthy. And we want everyone to get the best care and to be their healthiest, healthiest self. So um, that's why I work ethic research as a sales engineer. Nice. Ye on the noble mission, man. That's amazing. I um, <laughs> no, it it is true. That's that's why um, a, a lot of people I, I I speak with my my our, our colleagues at Think Research, for example, a lot of them got got into the industry for that reason is to to help people. So that's amazing. Um, but let me let me flip it on you a little bit, Yi. So you you talked about why sales engineering. Now talk about if you considered anything other than sales engineering and why you didn't go down maybe that alternate pathway. This is a good question because it's something that everybody should be thinking about and everybody should be constantly evaluating mm. how their existing uh, job fulfills them or not and what else could be. So that got me thinking back to when I was a kid, adults would ask me like when I grow up, what, what I want to be. And at that time, I would just think about what I like to do in my like grade three class. What was my favorite class? And I said I wanted to be an artist because my favorite class was art. Um, of course, all the adults told me I'd be a starving art artist. Uh, so I guess that had some influence on me. And I was like, oh, I don't know. You kind of need to make money sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> but as I grew, yeah. As I grew older, I kind of realized there were a lot of things that I liked, not just art. I mean, I like science, I like math, computer science, business. So that really all led me to an engineering degree. And in that degree, it was, I think, what was the best part about my undergrad was the co-op opportunities. Um, I was able to take a full assortment of jobs from being analysts to R&D for medical devices to um, developing firmware for flat screen TVs. Uh, so it gave me a whole assortment of experiences with different types of roles. And yeah, I've always considered, could I do one of these type of roles in the future or at that time? Um, yes, I did, but eventually I guess I came down and thought about how I wanted to be the intersection of multiple types of roles. And uh, that's how I kind of decided on the FC role. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I, I think that's that's a common thing that I that I hear about and something I definitely experienced as well is a lot of a lot of people, especially students coming out of school nowadays, not everybody has one specific area that they like to focus on, you know, and a lot of the times finding something at the intersection of, of multiple things that you enjoy doing can can be the answer. And I, I don't think, at least I, I don't know about you, but at the time it's not something when I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do, I, I didn't realize that you could have a intersectional career, you know? Yeah, and it's not just that. There's so many types of jobs within each type of role as well. So even if you're in sales engineering, there's different flavors of sales engineering. You can be more technical, more customer facing. Uh, you could work on different types of products and the same for all other roles. So it's really about exploring what's out there and being able to um, understand what you like and what resonates with you. Exactly, exactly. And, and on that uh, more poignant note, I guess, 
the last question that I wanted to ask you, and uh, if you've heard my any of my episodes before, you know it's one of my favorites to ask my my guests uh, to get like super super deep on. But if you, if there was any advice that you could give your your younger self, whether it's about anything personally, professionally, what would it be and why? Oh, so much advice. I, I wish I could <laughs> talk to my younger self all the time. <laughs> I'd probably be so much smarter. Um, but I think what my most, I don't know if it's my biggest weakness, but something I definitely wanted to work on and still am working on is that throughout my childhood, my education, and like some of my professional life, I was always kind of afraid of failure. I was a type of person who wanted to always exceed every single expectation. And I felt like I had to always get it right. And feedback was difficult to take as well if it was anything a little bit critical. Um, so if something w wasn't excellent, it just wasn't good enough. And I guess that kind of comes down to my parents telling when I got a B asking me oh why did you get an A I'm not sure if you relate that, to that at all very much Shreyak but oh, yeah. it kind of got me yeah you kind of had so much pressure to do well right and that resulted in me taking the safest route in a lot of things because I felt like it was the most sure thing and I did not like uncertainty um, and maybe some of it comes down to imposter syndrome as well. Um, I'm sure we can have a whole other conversation about imposter syndrome. Yeah. But I guess right now I just want to focus on the fact that failure isn't necessarily a bad thing. So that would be my advice to my younger self is like, don't be afraid to fail because it's really how we learn. Um, learning that feedback is how you we improve. Uh, I know I'm not the best, and there's always ways to improve, and I want to keep doing that. And the other thing is, maybe if you're in something you actually don't like, quitting might actually be the best thing because you can get out of that quick and go on to something you actually love. So I really want to tell myself that failure isn't that bad and be confident um, because sometimes places like places have hired me, you know? Um, they believe me, they believe in me, I've had great feedback, um, and I don't need to meet all the probably made up expectations um, that I've made up for myself in my head. Um, so proving to myself that I am capable and believing in myself, um, not being able to make, not being afraid to make mistakes, because we all learn from that to become better. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Thank you for for sharing that and being so so honest. It is so true. I I definitely relate to that. Um, that's that's definitely one thing I would tell my younger self as well. Well, you to to kind of wrap up the episode. The other thing you'll you'll know if you listen to any of my episodes how is how much I love really bad jokes, <laughs> like oh, bad, no. so bad. <laughs> uh, but I find those are usually the best ones. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you one, and uh, I, I tried to find a sales related one in your honor, but this is the best I could find. So <laughs> don't hate me. Um, all right. right, Yi, why did the shoe salesman dance all day? Why did the shoe salesman dance all day? Yeah. Because they have tap dancing shoes? <laughs> I don't know. Tell me. It's so bad. He had a lot of soul. Oh! <laughs> 
Damn. Oh, man. That's good. That's good. Well, thank you so, so much for being on the episode. I hope people listening, uh, I, I, like, I, in my head, Yi, you're like kind of wagging your finger at people being like, you better understand sales engineering now. <laughs> no more questions. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, it, it was, Yi, thank you so much. That was, that was a lot of insightful information. A lot of things I've been chatting with you a lot, but even I didn't know half those things you mentioned. So thank you. Um, for people, anybody listening, Yi, who may be interested in maybe reaching out to you and asking you any more questions, where, where can folks reach you? Yeah, find me on LinkedIn. That's my platform of choice. First name is Yi, that's spelled Y-I, pretty short. And last name is Tang, that's spelled T-A-N-G. I work at Think Research. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun, Shreyak. I'm happy that you had me on. Um, I actually secretly really wanted to be on since you <laughs> mentioned that you had a podcast. Um, but really, I hope everyone listening did learn something new about what SE is um, because it definitely gives you a lot of exposure. It gives you kind of that lens into a lot nice, of different... Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. It gives you that lens into a lot of different jobs within the tech com- company itself and how things work. So even if you don't like SE, maybe you'll find something else there that resonates with you. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks again. And uh, I'll see you guys in the next one. If you'd like to get in touch and don't feel like using too many characters, tweet at this underscore lens. Now, if you feel like checking out some pretty pictures while you're at it, jump into the DMs on IG, Instagram at look underscore in the lens. You can listen to this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, just to name a few. Whether you're an Androidian or an Apple lover, this podcast does not discriminate. This episode was sponsored by Late Night Edits, Sugar Fueled Brain Blast, Drained Headphone Batteries, and listening to the same section of an audio file so many times you have the words down by heart.